the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sin causes us not to see clearly. Sin causes us not to see the things that God desires us to see. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Well, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24 simply because this is called the Olivet Discourse. This is where Jesus was asked specifically about what it would look like at the end of time. He was asked by his own disciples. So this is Jesus telling them, this is what it's going to look like at the end. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 24. And I entitled this message, Bad News. Because it's not good news. It's bad news. I mean, don't you hate getting bad news? I think we all do. It's when we get that phone call that a dear one has passed away. It's when that accident happens. It's getting unexpected news like you just got fired from your job. I've had all of those things happen to me. You know, you get that call that there's an accident that happened, you know. It's finding out that the, the person you love, that maybe they don't love you any longer. You don't want that news. Yes, life will have its seasons of really bad news. And the news that we're going to look at here tonight is not only troubling news, but it's the worst news that this world will ever see. For it's the news of the end of the world as we know it. For we will look at what Jesus is giving us as a sneak peek into the events that will shape the end of time for humanity. For all of Jesus' public disputes were now over. This is in Passion Week. So it, it happened right after Palm Sunday. And it's, uh, it's happening uh, before, right before he's crucified. And so he is royally and totally rebuking the religious leaders of the day, right when this is all happening. Okay, so Jesus put up with so much garbage from the religious leaders. He was always trying to minister to them. He was always trying to reach out to them. But it's kind of like the gloves are off now. And he told the religious leaders, you know what, fellas? Woe is you. You don't want that to be coming out of God's mouth to you because that word woe means grief, sorrow, and misery on you. 
And Jesus was now looking at these religious leaders that he had tried to, for the past three and a half years, tried to reason with them. But now he is saying, grief, sorrow, and misery on all of you blind guides, you hypocrites. Jesus said that the religious leaders were all like a bunch of whitewashed tombs that were so beautiful on the outside, yet on the inside they were all full of dead men's bones. He says, you know, you religious leaders look so good on the outside. You have your nice robes and your tassels and everything is all perfect. You walk around and you quote scriptures on the corner. But he says, but inside, you're all dead inside. Yes, on the inside, they were full of the dead men's bones. Jesus says, you're snakes. You're vipers. You're nothing more than a brood of of just worthless people. You know, how would you escape the sentence of hell? Wow. You don't want that coming out of Jesus' mouth at you. I don't know about you, but those are not the words that I want to hear from Jesus. Yet, these worthless hypocrites, while hearing these words, instead of falling on their faces and repenting, they were in the midst of planning, again, to have Jesus crucified. Well, after walking out of the temple area, the disciples started talking to Jesus, which started what we commonly refer to now, again, as the Olivet Discourse. It started on the temple steps, and it continued on the Mount of Olives. On the Mount of Olives, yes. And so this is where Jesus would pull from Old Testament prophecies and he would thread them together with New Testament prophecies, giving us a very clear picture of what the end of time will look like with incredible insights from, well, the Lord himself. Now, the Gospel of Matthew records two very long and very impactful sermons that Jesus gave. The first, of course, uh, was the Sermon on the Mount, and that's what we refer to it on. Uh, And Jesus gave it at the north end of the Sea of Galilee. That's recorded in Matthews chapter 5, 6, and 7. Then the second message that was really long, it's found here in Matthew 24 and 25. His first message, the Sermon on the Mount, mainly dealt with the practical side of living our lives as Christians. It's a real and a sincere walk with God. It's, again, practical Christianity, because the heart of the matter, well, is always the matter of the heart. It's interesting to note that before giving the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was baptized. But yet here, after giving the Olivet Discourse, Jesus was crucified. Before giving the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was tempted by Satan, and Jesus proved that the tempter could not conquer him. While after his last main message here, Jesus proved that the tomb couldn't conquer him either. And in Matthew 24, Jesus deals with end-time prophecies. In Matthew chapter 25, he deals with end-time parables. But let's look at our first point, looking at the future as we read together, starting in Matthew 24. We'll pick up, of course, in verse 1. It said, Now Jesus came out from the temple, and he was going away to the southern steps, 
And his disciples came up to him to point out the temple buildings to him. Oh, Jesus, look at the temple. It's so beautiful. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. And as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when all these things will happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of of the age. Well, that's a pretty direct question, right? It's like, hey, we want details. Give us the goods here. Well, here's the beginning of the bad news. Now, again, let's put all of this in context. They just witnessed Jesus completely cleaning the clocks of the religious leaders. Normally, he would not get into arguments with him. Normally, they, you know, they get all nasty with him and he just like, whatever. But no, he cleaned their clocks. Now, these leaders were asking Jesus questions only to try to make him stumble in front of the people. How foolish these religious leaders were. They were blind guys, just like what Jesus called them. For he outsmarted them at every move. And because their hearts were filled with ill motives, it blinded their eyes from seeing clearly. This is a good place to make a point here, that sin causes our spiritual insight to be impaired. Sin causes us not to see clearly. Sin causes us not to see the things that God desires us to see. And in this case, they missed the long-awaited Messiah. They missed the Savior of the world. So as they're exiting the temple, the disciples hadn't a clue that Jesus was only going to be with them for just another couple days. They've been walking with him for three and a half years. That's a long time. Thinking every day is going to be a new day. They didn't realize you got like a couple more days with Jesus and that's it. Yet they were caught up though with the beauty of the temple. The temple was beautiful. Jesus though was not impressed with what man had built on earth. Let's not forget, he is the God of all creation, and he was in human form. His kingdom in heaven, where we're going to be one day, maybe sooner than any of us could imagine, you know, his kingdom, his palace is in heaven, where his glory and magnificence could not even be described in human language. Streets of gold, walls of precious jewels, gates of pearls, all of these things were We're going to be there one day with him. Yes, this temple, though, on earth, even though it was nothing like heaven, it was still a sight to behold. For King Herod started building the temple in 20 BC. So it's been being worked on, a a work in progress, you could say, for the last 50 years. And it would not be completed until around 64 AD, right before it was ready to be completely torn down by the Romans. But Herod was known as, well, Herod the Great. He was a villain of a king. But even though he was an extremely wicked man, he had a flair to build. And he was a great builder. And the temple was his crown jewel during Jesus' time here on earth. The temple was one of the most impressive structures on planet earth at this time. But Jesus, again, was not impressed. For he wept 
for the lost sheep of Israel. He had just said at the end of chapter 23, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to you. That's why Jesus was weeping for Jerusalem, because he rode in there a couple days earlier on Palm Sunday. As you remember, everybody was rejoicing, but yet Jesus was weeping. How can that be? Because Jesus knew the future for Jerusalem, that in its short 37 years in 70 AD, it was going to be completely leveled, and that temple that they're talking about on this night was going to be completely destroyed. As he said, not one stone will be left upon another. So Jesus spoke to them as their eyes were filled with awe of the beauty of the temple, yet it's like Jesus is like, uh, no. Don't be so caught up with what man can build with his hands. Jesus again said in verse 2, not one stone will be left unfazed. Jesus was saying this temple is going to be completely leveled. The disciples had a hard time processing that. I mean, because you just like, they're looking at everything. Huh? What? This? No, it's not going to be destroyed. What are you talking about? But Jesus was saying, notice here, that he spoke about this temple as they were leaving here, then in verse 3, it, we have Jesus sitting on the Mount of Olives. Okay, so, so the conversation started as they were leaving. That's when they first approached him. But then now they're on the Mount of Olives and they approach him again. Now, when you're there at the Temple Mount in the southern steps, when you come out of the temple and you were to walk down through the Kidron Valley and then up the big hill up to the Mount of Olives, it would take you approximately about 45 minutes to walk that. So now they kind of started the conversation when they were leaving, but then it kind of picks up as he was sitting on top of the Mount of Olives, which gives you a killer bird's eye view into the old city of Jerusalem. So what was the master talking about? the temple being destroyed? What did he mean? And when would this happen? Was it sooner? Was it later? So again, they approached Jesus and they asked him, when will all of this happen? And what signs will we see at the end of time? Again, I am so glad that they asked him this question because now we have this incredible bird's eye view of the end of time of what it's going to look like as far as signs. And who do we get it from? Jesus Christ, the creator himself. Okay, which brings up our second point, holding on till the end. Let's pick up and read what he says now, picking up in verse 4, starting to answer their question. And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. And you will be hearing of wars and rumors of war, seeing that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places will be famines, earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then they will deliver you to tribulation. Who's you? True believers. And they will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations 
because of my name. That's very important by what we're seeing through social media right now. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and they will hate one another. What? Hate? There'll be massive hate? Huh? Verse 11, many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. And because lawlessness has increased, imagine that in the last days, lawlessness increasing. Okay? Most people's love will grow cold. Nobody will care about anybody else anymore. Got to watch out for number one. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Wow. That's a lot of info that just happened right there. It's almost like just looking outside the door at this time. It's a lot to take in. So let's kind of look at it one piece at a time here. Notice in verse 4, Jesus said, See to it that nobody misleads you. This is the one thing that Jesus talks about in in Matthew 24 that he actually repeats, not just twice, three, but four times. So when he says something four times in this chapter, you got to pick up on that. So how will we be misleading? How will this misleading happen, I should say? We're told in verse 5 that many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, which is like saying, I'm a way to find happiness, okay? Saying that we have the way that you can find fulfillment, or there's a way that you can be happy. We're told in verse 11 that false prophets will arise and mislead many. This is why we must hold anyone who claims to be a teacher of God's word in any capacity, we have to hold their feet to the fire. Any of those who say, well, this is the way to heaven, or, or this is who gets to heaven, or, or this people group can go to heaven, or even those who claim to have some key to a life hereafter. We must hold them to the standard of God's word. For God never changes. We have to remember that. He never changes, and his word never changes. That's why we're told in Colossians chapter 2, verse 3, it says, Christ Jesus, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, I say this so that no one will delude you through persuasive argument. Oh, there's a lot of persuasive argument out there now. 1 John 4, 1 says, Beloved, hey, I'm talking to all you Christians, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. See, here's a sign that false prophets will give. They will say that those who live in sin are excused and everyone will go to heaven. They will give an excuse for every sin and it's okay. God loves you and you're going to go to heaven. God loves everybody. I mean, isn't it amazing how you'll have some rock star that is just a total pagan heathen dog, you know, and live in some wild, crazy life, so a party animal, you know, sleeping with 5,000 women, all of these things. And when they die, it's like, oh, he was such a good person. And he, well, you know, he'll, he's in a better place now. Hey, newsflash, you're not in a better place. You're going to hell in a handbasket. That is not a better place. 
Okay, you cannot take some heathen and because they were popular and had 30 million people following them on their Twitter page, you know, and and everyone liked them because of their great talent. It's like, you cannot say they're in a better place now. No, they're in a worse place, a million times worse. But see, you'll have those in the church and those people that will say, oh, they were a good person. And, you know, maybe they're, you know, you have someone that comes in and donates huge amounts of money to build your church. And you say, oh, they're a great person. And they get front row seating and all of this. It's like, uh, the only way you're going to heaven is if you repent. That's it. But it reminds me of a woman that was following after the Apostle Paul in the book of Acts. And she was following behind him saying, this is a man who is a servant of the Most High God, proclaiming the way of salvation. Now you would think if someone's following you and saying, this is a man of God, and he's proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Wouldn't you think that she was a believer? But yet Paul turned around and commanded an evil spirit to come out of her. See, there are people telling people today not what they need to hear, but rather telling people what they want to hear. It's like asking a small child after they did something wrong, would you like a spanking or would you like an ice cream sundae? What do you think most children would say? Uh, I'll take the ice cream sundae. And so it is with grown-ups. Would you rather have someone tell you, what you want to hear, or would you have someone tell you what you're doing wrong and what you need to hear? So this is why I make a lot of enemies, not because I want to, but I don't want to compromise on the teaching of God's word. I'd rather you be a little upset with me, not liking what I'm telling you, and you to go home and think about it and just realize, you know, they were right. I am living in sin. I am doing wrong. You know, all I can do is just say, I'm telling you, if you want to go into the next life and be part of God's kingdom, you have to repent of your sin. God came down in a human form. He bore your sin on his body. So the creator died for you, the creation. We want the truth to go out. The truth is what changed me. I was convicted of my sin, and that's what drove me to Christ. This is why we're called to test what we hear. The word test in the original language means to critically examine. And what are we to critically examine? We're to critically examine what we hear with the word of God, not our own opinion. How many people will say, well, I don't agree with that? Okay, well, why? Well, I don't believe that's true because I, I have friends that are sleeping together. You know, they're, they're a boyfriend and girlfriend, but they love each other and, and they're going to get married and they're really nice. How could they not go to heaven? It's like no one said they weren't nice. No one said they weren't sweet people. But God says if you're going to do that outside of marriage, you're not going to go to heaven. So it's like, you know, it's like, yeah, but I, I just, I, I, don't, I don't agree with that. Well, it doesn't really matter whether you agree with it or not. In fact, your opinion doesn't really matter. We're talking about their eternal salvation. It doesn't matter what your opinion is. You know, it doesn't matter what is politically correct. We have to examine it against God's word by what he says. For again, it doesn't matter what we think 
And it certainly doesn't matter how we feel about something. You know, as some might say, but again, I don't, I don't agree with that. Well, then you need to change the way that you think. You have to get your thinking and your ideology along with a biblical ideology. You don't want to have a secular worldview. You want a biblical worldview. Yet, if we are all going to stand before God one day, shouldn't it matter what God says? If we're going to be judged by God for everything that we've ever done, shouldn't we get in line with what he says to do? Because that judgment will be based on what? What he's all told us in the word, in the Bible, in his written law. Again, our feelings and what we think about something is simply not going to matter. Again, as Jesus said in verse 5, the reason people will say things contrary to the word of God is to mislead us from God. That's why we're told in 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that the man of God or the woman of God may be adequately equipped for every good deed. So yes, God's word is doctrine. God's word teaches us what is right. God's word brings reproof. It tells us what is not right. God's word brings correction. It tells us how to get right. And God's word trains us in righteousness. It tells us how to stay right. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.